You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Good morning, Village. And it is Mark 1, 21 through 45. Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. And they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing in him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Jesus heals many. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately he told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the, and the fever left her, and she began to serve him. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus cleans as a leper. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing, what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Father, we... uh... We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you with um, our very lives. We pray for um, we pray for our hearts this morning that you would begin to soften them, that your words would prevail uh, over our own, that your thoughts would prevail over our own, that we would stop hearing lies that are told to ourselves pray that you would be honored and glorified this morning 
We ask these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm a pastor and elder here at the village. Um, this is a wild event. Can we just stop and think for a second how crazy this is? Look around. This, this is not normal. You've got a day off. And you decided to get up, come be around a bunch of people that are nothing like you, and sit in a building that you don't ever really come to. This is a bit strange. But when you know that 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus who was not just a man, but he was also God. And he lived, lived a perfect life for us. Uh, died a brutal death for us uh, to conquer sin and death itself, it begins to start making more sense. Uh, This very Jesus, um, after dying, came back to life. And he had a group of followers uh, that he called disciples or students of his, and they were learning what it looked like to be like him. And he tells them to go. Go to the, the ends of the earth, start where you're at, and begin to spread this good news that God's kingdom, God's rule here on earth has begun. And you are the result of a few faithful. It started in a really small town compared to most cities that we're familiar with, and it began to spread or it reaches where we are today. You have been influenced by a great cloud of witnesses the Bible talks about. And that's amazing. So when we come to the scriptures, we should come with that in mind. So, what are we talking about? We're talking about all kinds of things that can make us really uncomfortable, Right? Uh, casting out demons. That's weird. It's 2018. We're not talking about that kind of stuff anymore, are we? Um, healing people, miraculous healing, not just like, I went to school and got a degree and now I know how to kind of fix things, but like he just touches somebody and then they're clean. And it's a whole lot to take in. We, we read a large chunk of scripture and that's probably not normal for a lot of us. Usually we'll get scripture in little sound bites, a little something before we go out for the day and uh, something to think about and chew on. But one of the things that's helpful for me when you have a large um, passage of scripture is just to think about what was the, the original author doing, how they wrote it, how they structured it. Um, they would they would write out pieces of scripture in ways that were easily memorizable because they did not have printing presses. Everybody didn't have their own personal copy of the book. Another just amazing thing that you should feel very privileged about being able to just hold that because that's actually fairly new. Um, So let's look at the structure of the passage and see uh, if we can get the whole thing kind of in our heads so that we can hear what it's talking about, okay? Okay. So, 
it starts, we, we read left to right over here, so we'll start over here and we'll work this way. Um, it starts with Jesus walking to a town called Capernaum, and he walks into a, a place called the synagogue, and there he's teaching. And as he's teaching, a man with an unclean spirit comes up, and Jesus casts that spirit out, okay? So we have, we have this here, where we have this man with... Uh, uh, an, uh, an unclean spirit, okay? So then they leave there, they go to his buddy Pete's house, and Pete's mother-in-law, there will be no mother-in-law jokes today, I like my mother-in-law, um, they go to Pete's house and his mother-in-law is ill. Uh, she has a fever, and Jesus touches her, and the fever goes away. So we have casting out a demon, we have healing, and then the whole town hears about it. They'll go, what happened? They hear about it. And what do they do? They bring all of their friends who are sick and all of their friends who are demon-possessed, and he casts them out and he heals them. Casting out a demon, healing, casting out a demon and healing. Then what happens? He goes out to a desolate place, and he spends time with his father. And his buddies come looking for him. Pete goes, hey, everybody's looking for you. And he goes, we need to keep going, guys. We can't stay here. We have to keep moving. This has to happen everywhere. And so they go. And it says that he's preaching in synagogues and casting out demons. Anybody want to guess what happens next? We have casting out demons, healing Casting out demons and healing. Casting out demons and healing. Yep. Next thing that happens is healing. A man who has leprosy or skin disease comes. And he says that he wants to be made clean. So there's a lot of things that we could talk about. There's so, so many little things. I mean, you've got... Jesus is uh, healing someone here. And what does she do as a response? She begins to serve. I mean, that's powerful, you know. You've got an entire town coming, right? They hear about this. How did they hear about it? People started talking. Nobody was tweeting it out. People just started spreading. Oh, my gosh. This guy, you should have been there at the synagogue this morning. This happened. Hey, I walked by Pete's house and his mother-in-law wasn't feeling too well. But then, all of a sudden she's better and they said that it was Jesus. He just touched her. Do you think he could be the one? I mean, that's stuff that the Messiah is supposed to do. That's stuff that when God sends the one who's going to make everything right again, this stuff's going to start happening. And so people begin to hear about it. <laughs> And they go, well, let's bring our friends. You've got um, a mother-in-law being healed, people coming and, and their friends are being healed and demons being cast out. Then you have Jesus needing to spread this. And if we're to be like Jesus, our response should be the same. We should want to continue to spread this not only through preaching and teaching of the word, but 
but seeing just amazing things where people are, are healed in different ways. And this middle section, we're kind of used to how we talk about, you know, if you're familiar with Bible-type stuff or you're familiar with Jesus, we talk about healing and casting out demons, and that seems pretty normal. But here's what's interesting. You look at these on the outside, here and here. There's something unique there. This one's not called casting out a demon. And this one's not called healing. That one is a man with an unclean spirit. And this one is a man who asks to be made clean. He doesn't ask to be healed. He has to be made clean. So what are they doing? How is this being put together so that we see something? Right? Well, to understand what's going on, we kind of have to know what's been going on in the story before. Um, I'm a proponent of reading the Bible uh, as one continuous book. Uh, it's a library, a collection of books. And uh, just like, and this, I may get in trouble for this, I don't know. Uh, just like reading a Harry Potter series, uh, if you started with the next to last book and you just picked it up and you just started reading it, right? You would get some stuff. You get some things, but you wouldn't get the whole story. You wouldn't know everything that's going on. You wouldn't grasp small nuances and details of things that are going on. It's the same. Every author that God inspires is building on the previous authors, and they're all talking and communicating with each other. And this clean and unclean thing happens more towards the beginning of, of the whole amount of writings that we have in our Bible. Uh, in a book called Leviticus. It's the one where when you start your Bible reading plan at the beginning of the year, you're, you're plowing ahead, you're going, this is awesome, and you get to Leviticus, and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily make it this year. Maybe I'll try again next year. Because it talks a lot about a lot of really weird things. Uh, how exactly to kill an animal so that it's not super painful, uh, what that does. It talks about this clean and unclean thing. Um, it talks about lower lobes of livers. And it's like, I didn't know the livers had multiple lobes. Um, okay. Um, so the people that are like, you know, got their scrubs on and whatnot are like, you didn't know that? <laughs> um, but, uh, it, so it talks about this in Leviticus. So what this is, uh, th there's a couple things that we want to um, know to understand this clean, unclean thing. Uh, first, we want to know and understand that God is holy. It's, it's the crux or summation of every time he talks about a new thing. If you read through Leviticus, he kind of he crafts out like little sections where he's like, oh, let's talk about all of these things of how you need to live and what you need to do. And then... When he does, then you go, okay, so you need to do this because I am holy and I am calling you to be holy. And then he does it again, gives you a whole other section, and he goes, be holy because I am holy. And he does this seven times throughout the entire thing of Leviticus. And it's really fascinating to me. I'm nerdy in that way. But um, the, the thing that goes through him being holy 
to understand this, I will, uh, I will illustrate with a story about my son. Um, me and my wife uh, created a good world uh, inside of our home. It's fantastic. We know how to live inside of it. It's great. We had a kid. The world uh, began to change. Uh, they began to set up their own little things wherever. And uh, it came a time where my son got fairly smart, got pretty curious, and he started saying, what's that? What's that? What's that? He just asked about everything. And one day he saw the stove and he said, what's that? And he said, that is something you do not touch. (laughs) That is something that you do not touch. That is hot. He has no concept of hot. No concept of hot. It's never been burned. And I do not want to teach him hot. I don't want him to know what that is. I want him to trust me. That's what I want. So, <laughs> the, the day comes. The inevitable day where he learns what hot is. Rhonda's cooking. It's my wife. She's cooking and, and he's beside her and it's that moment where your hands are full and you look and you see them and they start reaching and you're like, no, and everything goes into slow motion and you're just like, ah, and they learn hot. They learn what hot is. So I tell you this story because God created a good world and he defined it as good everything he said I I built this and it's good and I built this and it's good and I built this and it's good and he asked for trust he needs to be the one who's defining what good and what evil are and so a day comes when we get really curious and we decide to do the one thing that's going to hurt us the most God is holy. He is, this word means set apart. I think some of us, we have this really, um, we use the word a lot in negative terms, like uh, holier than thou and things like that. And, and that's not it at all. It's, it's set apart. God's the one who's set apart to define what is good and what is evil. And when he got his people together, which remember the Bible is a group of of freed slaves when he when he's freed these slaves and he's brought them out to be together he starts a relationship with them and they right away begin to break down the relationship and so he has to set up parameters so that they can be together and so he starts to call this clean and unclean when we're able to be together, when you're allowing me to define what is good and we can be in unity with each other, we can, we can be in the same camp, we can be near each other, that's clean. And when things happen, either through things that you do, because there are two types of ways that it talks about clean and unclean. There's things that you do that can make you unclean, make you not able to be near and be close and then there are things that just happen to you 
that also cause you to be unclean. But these are pictures, they're reminders of the breakdown, of, of the fact that as we have been defining what is good and what is evil for ourselves, the world starts to break down. Things start to happen. Skin diseases is one of those. Some of these things, and, and I, would, I would resist saying clean and unclean is, is either sinning or not sinning, because sometimes things just happen. So I'll give you an example. Um, a way to become unclean is if somebody in your family passed away and you needed to go bury them. You, you are going to touch a dead body. And after you do and you go and you bury them, you would go and you would spend a week outside of the camp, outside of the community of God's people, outside of that connection with God. And those are pictures, those are reminders that God is holy. He's the one who is set apart, and to be inside of the camp and to be in unity with him, we need to remember where we've come from and what that grace is that he's bringing us in. So, that's this idea of holy and this idea of clean and unclean. So, we have here and we have here a man with an unclean spirit, and Jesus pushes this unclean spirit out, making this man clean. And we begin to see what Jesus is doing throughout this entire story. He's pushing out those things that are unclean, those things that are stopping us from being in close connection with the Father, with God. But here's the thing about the ones where it's not about what we do, but it's the things that happen to us. Uh, this one, uh, leprosy or a skin disease. This is not a thing that someone did that made them unclean. There's one story where uh, Jesus' disciples come to him and they're like, hey, this man, he's, he's needs to be healed. What happened? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Why is he this way? And Jesus' response is, neither. I'm here to heal this man. This man's here to show you the love of God. And so this man, with a skin disease, is outside of the camp. have to live alone or in a community of people that are also outside of the camp. And to really understand the desire of the man, listen to his request. It's not to be healed. It's to be made clean. Because to be healed, sure, I want to stop having a skin disease. Okay. That's one thing. But to be clean is to be able to be near God to be able to be near the community. And so Jesus heals him, but he says this. He says, I'm willing to heal you. Be clean. Then he tells him, hey, don't tell anybody about it. There's a little mini sermon for you, right? <laughs> don't tell anybody. Okay, yeah, no problem. Hey, everyone, 
You wouldn't believe what just happened to me. Look. Isn't it wild how when something just so incredible happens, we can't keep our mouth shut? Some of us today have had things happen to us. It wasn't you. It wasn't anything that you did. It's just a thing that's happened to you. And you feel unclean. And Jesus has come. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he's saying, be clean. Just come and be clean. And you've been waiting. You've been waiting outside of the camp. Waiting for who knows how long to feel that connection. Yes, you follow Jesus. You've accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior but it doesn't make you feel clean. And I can understand that. But he's offering cleanness. So, you are not those things that have happened to you. He is giving you a new identity in himself. He's the one who's made you clean. So, Whatever it is, whatever that thing is, for some of you it may be some sort of a learning disability or something like that that's, that's just stopped you from feeling like you're a part. And you feel like, I, I can accept that Jesus died on a cross for me, but I, I can't seem to get over this, this thing. It shapes who I am. For some of you, it's a rape. For some of you, it's a molestation. It's this thing that's happened to you, and it has shaped the very identity of who you are. And Jesus is offering you to be clean. For some of you, you may feel abandonment. For some of you, you may have started the process of a marriage, and then it collapsed before it even got started. For some of you, you may have been married and then something happened and it didn't work out and these things are shaping your very identity. They're shaping who you are. And Jesus wants you to know that you are not those things. That's not who you are. You are a child of God. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High. That is who you are. And so our challenge for some of us today is to let go of whatever that thing is that has defined us. Maybe it's a need that we have. We need other people to validate who we are. Maybe it's the shape of our body. I don't know what it is for you. But take some time. Jesus has not just died on a cross for your sins. He has done that. And some of us need to come to Jesus because he has died on a cross for our sins. He was a perfect sacrifice to save us from ourselves. 
to be able to give us his Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that from the beginning of scriptures breathed life into all things. And he wants to breathe life into us to help us to think differently, to view the world differently. And that'll affect you. It'll affect you because you won't be able to go a second without talking to somebody about it because you've been truly changed. People will begin to hear about it because you can't stop talking about it. And you'll start serving because you've been made clean. I know that it's hard in a large group of people to think about the weightiest things that have happened in your life. So right now might not be the time, but the opportunity is there. But if it's not the time now, when will it be? I pray that it would be sometime soon. I would pray it would be sometime today. But you'll take some time, step away, and really think about where your identity lies, who you really are. Because Jesus is offering um, this word we call grace. It's a, it's a gift. He's offering you something free. Some of you, I'm tempted to say that you've accepted the grace. You've accepted that. But you keep wanting to do things, and that's good. You should begin to act like Jesus begin to become like him. But when that begins to shape your identity, when that begins to shape that that's who I am, I'm the person who's doing all the right things, I'm a Christian, I do this and I do this and I do this, and that's why I'm a Christian, then we're starting to miss it and we're starting to veer off course. And Jesus wants to make us clean as well. He wants to make us clean. And we do do that by accepting that it's grace. It's a gift. Yes, do the right things. Because in the end, that's who you will be shaped and turned into as a new creation. As he begins to reform your mind, as you meditate on the scriptures and you commune with other followers of Jesus and we spur each other on in our faith. But if it is your identity, then Jesus is no longer your identity. What Jesus has done for you is no longer your identity. And that that should be your identity. That is who you are. And when that sticks firmly inside of our mind, it changes us. It shapes us. It allows us to have mercy and grace and peace and give it to others freely. We begin to see people differently. So, as we gather, we end up sharing a meal And every service is this conversation that we have and this meal that we share and this time where we ascribe worth and value and honor and praise to the God who created us, to the God that gives us life. And so the table will be open here in a moment where we'll share a meal with God and we'll take the bread and we'll dip it in the cup and we'll remember the body that was broken for us and the blood that was spilled. And we'll remember that Jesus has saved us, has forgiven us from all the things that we've done that are 
outside of his definition of good. So um, go ahead and stand and um, just begin to prepare our hearts and our minds to come to the table to take the bread and the cup. to lay down whatever it is that is holding you back from being clean, from being fully forgiven. Not because he doesn't fully forgive you, but because you, for some reason, have not fully forgiven yourself. He's offering his forgiveness. It would be a shame that you wouldn't do the same to yourself. Come. The table's open. Mm-hmm.